What's going on guys, this is the Lone Salesman again, here to talk about Godzilla Singular Point. Now, I made a podcast and video about this last time. Now that I've seen the last episode, I want to give my full impression and review what I thought of the show. I already kind of had a good idea from watching the first 12 episodes, but now that I've seen the last episode, the conclusion, I want to dedicate the first five minutes to explaining everything that I saw and then the last portion will be me talking about spoilers and the plot and explaining a little bit of a few things that were a little confusing or hard to follow, at least for me. First off, I want to talk about all the monsters. Now, if you don't want the monsters spoiled, you can skip this part and to this time code. Okay, so first off, Godzilla. He has three forms. One, he's got his water form. Second, he's got his somewhat amphibious form. Third, he's got his almost full form. And then lastly, we have the final form, which is in the poster. Uh, what can I say? The water form threw me off a little bit. I didn't like it. And then when he went to his amphibious, kind of like primordial form going into land, also kind of wonky looking. And then his almost final form, uh, looked a little bit better, still didn't like it that much. And then lastly, his ultimate form, which looked amazing. It reminded me a lot of uh, Shin Gojira and his transformation there. So they kind of went with the more traditional look for him at first and then kind of evolved him. Next, we want to talk about Jet Jaguar, or I like to refer to him as JJ, just for the sake of time. I already talked about him in my previous video, but I said before, I like his design. And overall, his evolution is a lot more interesting than his original. Third, I want to talk about Rodan. He appears frequently throughout the show. I think the design looks great. Very traditional to what the 90s version looked like and the original. Next, I want to talk about Angurus. So he shows up uh, later in the show, and I like the design. He looks a lot different, and even in the end credits, you see another version of him. Maybe that's coming in later, but I like the power they gave him, and I like his personality, kind of like an evolving creature without giving too much away, but he does become pretty important mid-season. Next, I want to talk about Manda, a very minor monster in the series of Godzilla, but in the original, he wasn't too good looking. It was just like a giant snake puppet. Then in Final Wars, they kind of updated it to like Sea Dragon looked a lot better. And now I think it's a more balanced Sea Serpent type. They're very expendable, kind of like the Rodan, just the sea form. Next, we have Humanga, which is a spider. In this one, he's more of a spider crab-ish. He has a few different forms, but there's different types, kind of. Kind of reminds me of Kamakaris 2 and Ebida combined. Kind of crustacean-like, but they kind of appear briefly in a few episodes where JJ fights them. He doesn't exactly completely defeat them, but he subdues them for the most part. Anyway, I like the design there as well. Last, I want to talk about Salunga, 
the new monster. At first, when I saw it, I thought it was Baragon, but it wasn't. And then it also kind of looked like Gabra from Godzilla's Revenge or All Monsters Attack. The design kind of threw me off, but it goes hand in hand with the old folklore theme that it's been following. So, overall, the new monster design. I was a little mixed at first, but I really liked the direction it went along with the story. Next, I want to talk about some minor characters I didn't mention, since just for the sake of recapping, I will mention the Otaki crew again. We have Mr. Otaki, Yoon, Habidu, and Satomi. Yoon and Habidu are pretty much the main characters. Habidu is more of like a sidekick, whereas Yoon is our main protagonist on one side. And Otaki is another supporting character who pretty much leads the company and is the spirit of the team. I also talked about Kamino Mei, another scientist on the other side of the world, globetrotting, trying to solve this mystery. So she's another very important piece of the story. Now, I want to talk about some of the side characters because I felt like this portion of the show was a little hard to follow, even for me. I watched it and subbed. So I'm reading everything as I go along and taking notes. Even I think in dubbed, it still would be a little hard to follow each and every one of these characters. So first I'll start with Yamamoto, which is an older gentleman we see in the first episode. He's a leader of a company called the Masaikoku Company, which was founded by Ashihara, a mysterious scientist. Won't go too much into that yet. He's a little devious, strange, and joyful. We don't know too much about him, but we do see him frequently throughout the show. Next, I want to talk about Shunya Sato. And yes, I'm going to be saying last name, first name. That's just kind of how the Japanese do it. So it's going to be last name, first name, if I write it down. Some of them I won't be mentioning their full, full name. Anyway, He's basically like a yes man. He's working for Mr. Yamamoto. His intentions are unknown. We just know that he's there working for the company. Moving along, we have Professor Lee, a renowned professor working for the Shiva Corporation, and she's the one who discovers this mysterious element called archetype. She kind of acts as a mentor for May throughout the show. Next, we have Kai. He's kind of a weird eccentric reporter. We're not really sure who his allegiances are for but he always seems to show up at the right time when the Otaki company is investigating something or getting leads on what they're trying to look for. Going along with the other mysterious characters or working for the Shiva company, we have Tilda. Not much is known about her. She's another somewhat of an antagonist. She's kind of leading the Shiva company and trying to suppress the kaiju, and also weaponize uh, this new device, the OD. I'm going to spell it out here because I think I'm going to mispronounce it. Otherwise known as uh, I'm Rita. I don't know what to say about her because we mostly see her giving exposition, so not too much to say about her. Next, we have Baylor BB Barn. They call him BB for short. He also works for Shiva, and he has a daughter named Rina, who's uh, Indian, and he gives a lot of strange quotes about hell. He's intrigued about this red dust element mentioned several times, and 
we again don't know too much about him a little mysterious and then lastly i want to mention michael steven he's also associated with the shiva corporation kind of just reminds you of your typical capitalist uh, american just kind of looking for his own self-interest again we don't know what his major motivations are till the end lastly i want to talk about two government characters or kind of working more sword with the japanese government we have Chicago Kanako, who's working for foreign affairs, also works for the government, and likes quoting poems, a running theme throughout the show. And then lastly, we have Matsubara Miho Yoshiyasu. He's kind of the general slash admiral working for the military, so uh, kind of like in the classic movies, whenever we see the military perspective, he's the guy we're seeing it through, whereas Kanako is working more towards the political angle. That's kind of the gist of each and every character. Uh, I hope it kind of helps you keep track. I'm going to leave off with this as far as my impressions of the show. Now that I've seen it, everything in full, all I can say is it's a very satisfying ending and it leaves you off wanting more, especially with the last few frames or scene it shows after the credits. If you're a fan of anime I th and if you've never watched Godzilla, I think you'll like it. If you like science fiction, I think you'll like it. If you like paranormal stuff too, I think you'll be into it. For classic old school Godzilla fans, it may not be for you. Especially if you didn't like the recent Shin Gojira iteration. Uh, it kind of goes along that line, but takes it a step farther, getting into the science of where Godzilla came from. That's kind of where Shin Gojira kind of lacked is... They kind of explain his origin, but not really. So this one kind of gets into a different scenario of how that all happened. So I think that worked out really well. Overall, it's only 13 episodes. Every episode is like 20 minutes. Give it a watch, but make sure you're paying attention because there are some things you'll miss. And if you do miss them, then please reference this video later so I can explain to you kind of what goes on. Okay. So this section is going to include spoilers, so if you don't want the show spoiled, please wait to watch the show and then come back just in case you have more questions about the show. Alright, so here we go. So um, I won't say too much about the first three episodes because we get the mystery unveiling for us and everything's pretty clear cut. We see everything unraveling, we introduce the characters and uh, slowly we're revealing more kaiju as we go along. The only thing we don't really know about is we hear the song and then we see the Godzilla bones, which is in possession of Yamamoto. So later on, we notice that as this is going on, the Otaki company or Yoon and Mei are both kind of working hand in hand to solve this mystery. Now, they don't know each other throughout the whole show, so remember that. Even though we're seeing both their perspectives, they don't know each other. They're only talking throughout this chat, and they both are using the same AI program that Yoon created. So, the running themes of new and old kind of work hand in hand with this whole show, and it kind of is the main theme, especially when it gets later on, when it talks about changing time and space as the archetype material basically in its rawest form 
is this red dust. And then the red dust can be converted into the archetype material, which is also used to make the supercalculator computer that creates the singular points, or are the singular points. And thus, as the supercomputers work together, they create the, their one mistake is creating the catastrophe, which is calculated and predicted in Ashihara's notes. So he predicted all this stuff, and Yoon and Mei are kind of unraveling all that together. So later on, it's introduced through his transcripts that their text conversation is the key for the future to solving the catastrophe. Later, earlier in the show, we're explained how hash MD5 algorithms work, and that's pretty much the same thing. So in this, his notes are all written in MD5 hash, and the key to the code is basically their conversation, whereas that's what it translates out to. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit too about allegiances. So going back to Sato, he's basically working for the government. There's a few other characters that I kind of forgot about also working for the government, but Sato is a little bit more important because he's working hand in hand with the with Yamamoto and he's trying to figure out what's going on with the bones. Later on too, it's discovered that Kai also allegiance with someone else as well, along with BB and Michael Steven. Though BB seems a little bit more on the good side. Before I get into that, everything else, like I said, in the beginning of the show is pretty clear cut with Aguirus. We know what happens. I'm not going to explain that to you guys. But I do also want to confirm that Professor Lee definitely is dead. Now, I know it's not directly shown that she dies, but I do confirm it in a later episode. She is somewhat killed off screen. Now, it could be possible she could come back since we didn't actually see her die. But uh, Tilda kind of makes an offhand comment like, look, we lost Professor Lee. So, May, you're our next, you know, you're going to be continuing her work. I'm not exactly sure. They could bring her back, but I think she's dead. Going back to the red dust, this is kind of like the key to the show, the archetype material. There's a cool little uh, Event Horizon reference when they're explaining how time and space bend through this singular point. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, in Event Horizon where they take the paper, pokes a hole in it, and then like he says this is how wormholes work, and which is kind of true. It's like an anomaly, like you need the archetype to create the supercomputer, but the supercomputer is made from archetypes. So it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? It's not that important to think about. You just have to know that this is what they need to get the code in the end. So the song, turns out, is coming or transmitted from the Godzilla bones, which the mystery company is attempting to get. So we have Shiva trying to suppress the monsters or control the red dust using the weapon. Possibly trying to weaponize the monsters, I'm not sure. At this point too, we also see the AI taking over JJ. At that point, JJ is like kind of like fully automated. Whereas Pero 2 is slowly growing as well. At this point, they're also kind I think they're kind of at the same in the development. And I think Pero 2 and JJ kind of have a working relationship so 
uh, they keep mentioning new to old, old to new, right? So when you think about Yoon's AI program, it goes from kind of old, that's the original one, to being a baby when it gets reset when it first hears the song. Whereas Pero 2 goes from being young to being old by transcending time and then also going back to the past to connect with their, the AI to create the signal. That gives the code to unleash the OD device, which saves the day. It's also mentioned that each supercomputer is a singular point, as well as the Godzilla bones itself. So I guess maybe the monsters too are, it's, are their own singular point, some sort of anomaly in its purest form created by this like energy. It's a little difficult. They don't really go too much into it about why like Godzilla can control the red dust because maybe the part of him, we see him uh, at some point, you know, deflecting missiles with it, kind of like in Shin Gojira when he evolved and used his own beams to attack in different directions. I like this version a little bit better. It looks, it kind of makes more sense, a little bit more practical, I guess. I also like the evolution of the atomic breath here, too. We see that kind of like a reference to Manila or Minya, when he uses his atomic breath, it's like a puff of smoke in a circle. And that's exactly what Godzilla does. And slowly he's making these halo symbols as he's breathing his breath. And then finally concentrates his enemies and makes his full atomic breath. I really like that effect. It was an interesting evolution of how he developed his atomic breath, which I really liked. So at this point, we know that Salunga, it was discovered in the ruins where May and BB are trying to go. Pretty much those ruins is where they found Salunga. And at the bottom of the vault is the lake. And then in the vault the whole time, what they are really protecting was the singular point computer Shiva developed to, I guess, do whatever, control the OD device. Uh, the only problem was, you know, Salunga was there as well. So I guess they were harnessing that energy to create that supercomputer. So, I don't know. I guess that's what they were protecting the whole time. I don't know what the lady was trying to do. She was just trying to protect it. BB kind of double-crosses her by taking the weapon for himself to use it against the monsters so he can help May stop the catastrophe. He's trying to help. So I guess he kind of changed allegiances because he's also working with Michael Steven. So that's the, that's the weird part, right? So at some point we know Michael Steven and BB betray Shiva. So we know BB, Michael Steven, and Kai are working for someone else. We don't know who. Well, I have an idea. But before we get to that, basically to explain further back into the code, so the original code they found in that mansion basically explains what happened. The code, the GPS coordinates are transmitted to JJ, and JJ goes to the coordinates, flies up there, and waits for the, the rest of it from Pero 2, which is going back to the past to send it. That's when they combined in that point in time 
when he realizes, oh, it's been with us the whole time. We just have to combine. So it's like one's the cipher and then one's the key. Same thing how MD5 works, right? I mean, and then once you combine them, you get the answer. So like I said, it, it kind of runs with the themes of new and old. And for this, you know, the hash, you can't, you know, with the cipher, you can't do anything with it without the key. So together, they make JJPP or Jet Jaguar PP Hero 2. And they go hand in hand with Godzilla. And that fight was like kind of cool, you know, like I never thought they would actually have a JJ fight Godzilla thing as he was in a smaller form, but he, you know, gets bigger and fights him, which technically dies, but still holds off enough to for the device to go off and end everything. We also get a small glimpse of Mothra. So I want to say at that point, it was like a glimmer of hope or something. I'm not exactly sure. We do know that it is. They didn't mention, oh, this is from a silkworm. We've, that's where Mothra comes from. She's in her baby form. So we do know Mothra is in this universe. We've also seen her in the end credits. So maybe she'll be coming up in season two. Not sure why she wouldn't help. Maybe because it wasn't part of the grand plan. We don't know. So lastly, we end off with Godzilla being defeated, Salunga paralyzed, and then Yoon finally meets Mei. What they do, I don't know. And then we even see Pero 3, little robot. It's a small touch. You, you kind of notice it. It's got a 3 written on the side. And then next, we have the end scene where we have Mechagodzilla being built with the old bones. So it's like Mechagodzilla 2 where they built the old or not Mechagodzilla 2, it's like Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, the 2000 version of Mechagodzilla, where they use the Godzilla bones from the first Godzilla to make Mechagodzilla, and it's got the cool old-school 1974 design, which is also amazing. I love it. That's like probably my favorite design of Mechagodzilla. So we see Michael Steven, Kai, and Ashihara. And we also see Ashihara briefly when Pero 2 enters the supercomputer machine. So I guess Ashihara has some sort of power to transcend time or enter this new dimension where the archetype create almost like cyberspace, but not exactly sure. So maybe when the machine was destroyed, he was freed. I'm not exactly sure. I'm a little unsure, like how he's able to tr transition. But my theory is that perhaps maybe he's working with aliens. Why I think it's aliens is because when they're building the Mechagodzilla machine, you do see a goofy uniform of a guy working on the machine, and it kind of resembles the original Mechagodzilla movie where the, the black hole or they were aliens from a planet, depends on what you're watching, dubbed version or subbed. Anyway, I don't know if Ashihara is an alien or he's working with the aliens. Perhaps Kai is an alien. That's why he's so weird. And then maybe Michael Steven maybe is too. We're not sure. In the old school movies, they can disguise themselves as humans. They actually look like apes. I'm not sure if they'll go that far, but it would be interesting if they took it to that route. So I'm not sure what the grand plan was connecting you know, okay, defeating Godzilla so they can make a Godzilla, 
maybe so they could rule the world. I'm not sure. It's still a little unclear what their motivation is. Like I said, just could be ruling the world, controlling the red dust archetype. We're not exactly sure. So we'll see if it checks out. And then two, uh, in the end credit scenes, we also do see uh, King Cesar, another classic. He's also from the Mecha Godzilla movie. He helped Godzilla fight Mecha Godzilla. So maybe we'll see that fight again. We'll see Mecha Godzilla be the good guy this time, helping to defeat Mecha Godzilla, which would be interesting in my opinion. I mean, love to see that fight again. We did see King Cesar in Godzilla Final Wars, but that was about it. So I hope I kind of cleared up some things or explained some of the characters. So just to conclude or summarize everything, we do have we have a good selection of monsters. We have Godzilla going through an interesting transformation. We have likable characters with questionable humor at times. And we also have this element that transcends time and space and kind of distorts reality. So that's kind of like the big, not plot hole, but that's the device they use that they can kind of get away with messing with the timeline or breaking rules. Kind of helps explain some things. And so whatever this is, this dimension, that's where the monsters come from, or that's how they're created. So maybe this dimension is where, you know, these aliens came from. I'm, I'm going to go with aliens, or at least super extraterrestrial or alien extra dimensional being something, because that just kind of falls in line with the old movies. So they're picking up a lot of ideas from the old movies. So that's where I'm just kind of getting my prediction from. So we'll see. We just have the signal, which is basically transmitted from the future to the past. We know that whatever this archetype can do can has the power to do that with the power of the supercomputer. If I miss something or you have any other questions about the show, I kind of wanted to focus more on some of the characters that you might have missed or what their motivations might have been along with this mysterious material. So for my video listeners, please leave a comment if you have any questions about the show or if I miss something. And then for my podcast listeners, please find me on Twitter at The Lone Salesman and I'll answer any questions you have. And if there's any other particular topics relating to Godzilla, you know, I would love to talk about it with you guys. Just let me know. Anyway, that's all I have for today. This is The Lone Salesman and I'll see you later. Bye.